The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello, Represent listeners. This is Aisha, your host, and I'm just checking in with you all to make sure that if you haven't already, you get your tickets for our very first live show that is happening this Monday, April 24th, as part of the Tribeca Film Festival. It's happening at the SVA Theater in Manhattan, and we're really excited to have on Francesca Ramsey, who is the star of MTV's Decoded, as well as the star of many other very fun YouTube videos. You should definitely check her out, and she'll be at the show. So you can get your tickets at slate.com slash live. If you are a Slate Plus member, you'll get a 25% off, and hopefully we'll see you on Monday. The following podcast contains explicit language. Assalamu alaikum, auntie. Walaikum assalam. Did you just wake up? It's already 11. I thought there was no way she's still sleeping at this hour. I'm not sleeping. Hey, you forgot to say Eid Mubarak. Eid Mubarak, auntie. Hey, hey, this is Represent, and I'm your host, Aisha Harris. That clip you just heard is from a web series I unexpectedly found myself binge-watching in its entirety one evening. Brown Girls, created by Fatima Askar and directed by Sam Bailey. If you haven't heard or caught up with Brown Girls yet, you are in for a treat. Fatima and Sam recently stopped by our studios in Brooklyn, and we had a really great conversation about everything from inclusive hiring practices to the Chicago art scene. But first, we return with another installment of one of our favorite segments, Pre-Woke Watching. As you may recall, a few weeks back, we had the amazingly talented Dylan Marin on to discuss his work as an actor and activist. Following that interview, he shared with us his pick for the show that he both enjoys, but also occasionally finds disappointing, a show I'm sure many of our listeners are already familiar with. What is your pre-woke watching? Or what is one of your pre Because I'm sure we all have. I think many. Everything <laughs> that we want. I know. <laughs> when we were kids. So you mean pre-woke before I became woke or Yeah. So so before like you really loved it and but you didn't realize when you first encountered it, whenever it was, whether it was a year ago or when you're a kid, but now you realize, oh, that's kinda this is kinda fucked up. Yeah. Well so many things. I mean like everything yeah <laughs> but um what's what's one that just like sticks out oh in i mind? i have it i shouldn't have even said a lot of things i should have just gone for it <laughs> um will and grace i was gonna add that was actually gonna be one of my questions for yep. the this interview we had um because i know you tweeted mm-hmm. the other day yeah you said i will only accept the will and grace reboot if it's about karen's maid rosario immigration and how the crew will stand with her and so this was after the like right after the immigration ban that trump put put down yeah so when did you first encounter will and grace and when did you realize 
Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I first encountered Will and Grace when I was a kid. Hmm. And I wasn't, I was far from out. I was like deeply in the closet, so snug that I didn't even know I was in a closet. I mean, I knew I was gay, but I was like, I'll be staying here. You know, <laughs> it's comfortable. <laughs> um, and I loved it. it. You saw gay, and I'm using the word gay, not queer. You saw gay men cis gay men normalized. You mm -hmm. saw them in on the joke. You saw them delivering the punchlines. Well, what do you think? Too gay? <laughs> yeah, definitely. But the shirt's good. <laughs> ah, hold on, I got a cramp from not laughing. You saw nuance. Very, you know, um only dualism you know you only see like there is you could be jack or you could be will yeah um so it's it's not a real spectrum here <laughs> but there there is at least two and i thought jack was so funny i thought the plots were so funny i loved will and grace's relationship karen of course is funny and you know, the truth is I stopped watching it probably in the middle of high school just because, you know, all right, great. I've seen it and yeah. now I'm going to move on. And then I really did not watch any reruns until they came out with that special election episode. Oh, so this was like November. Yeah. A few months ago. I mean, this is like, of course, in my mind, I was always pretty aware that Will and Grace was very white. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Willing Grace was very white and Rosario, the maid, Karen's maid, was the butt of jokes. She was really never in on the joke. She might have delivered a zinger. But structurally, if she gets two or three lines per episode, even if they're punchlines, she's not in on the joke. Like the story is she's not the star of the story. We're seeing Rosario essentially through Karen's eyes. She's also always in a maid's outfit. Which is telling, and sure, that's a funny gag, but there's no other Latina women. There are no other women of color that you can compare her to. Yeah. Well, there's one exception. They had a big guest on, and it's Jennifer Lopez. But that's a superstar <laughs> who is a brand that the audience already knows. Right. And when I saw this election special, I was just like, oh my God, Will and Grace is an amazing representation of how unwoke gay people can be, you know, and how like, babe, you're not woke if you're opposed to Trump. Like being opposed to Trump itself does not make you a woke person. No, that's just common sense. Yeah, right. And <laughs> yeah. it's just like, guys, you, you, there is an episode around the fact, it built around the idea, the thesis of this episode was Will and Grace cast members in character talk about Donald Trump. But it's like, you got to go deeper. You got to like, how are you implicit in this? You know, um, how many times did you uphold this notion that like, well, everything's OK if you're gay and you're just like a beefy white guy, <laughs> you know, of course yeah. it is, um, which is not to downplay the hardships that those men face as well. Yeah, Will and Grace. It was this incredible first step. And now that I hear that there's a reboot coming out, I hope that they've built a staircase on that first step. But judging from the 
election special, it looks like it is in fact very much that just that first step that they extended into a whole platform. Yeah. Um, and Karen um, is now a Trump, like apparently she's a Trump supporter. Her Karen character. was always a Trump supporter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but that's great. That is in fact wonderful if they're going going to explore the nuance of that and also to be fair humanize her yeah because trump supporters are humans and i think so many trump supporters are inherently good people who i don't know now now i'm saying that out loud i don't know i, I just mean to say <laughs> yeah well, i mean you see all the tweets now like one person i saw tweeted you know i voted for you trump but now my wife who's a green card holder yeah, you know, is crying. Yeah, well, I just wish it didn't take that. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's so there's so many other things that like should have. Yeah, I don't uh, want to be too dreamy. It's just yeah. that I and I definitely do not want to, um, peddle some, uh, hopey, we hopey logic. World. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do want to believe that people are inherently good. And that they are led to believe certain things. Yeah, I, I want to know more about people who don't think like I do. If Is Karen the in for that? Like, I don't know. I, I worry. Yeah. I, I agree. Like, it, it, it makes logical sense that Karen would be a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, obviously, we do need to see that representation on screen. But then whose hands is it going to be in? <clears throat> and the question is, like, has have the co-creators like to me, it's like trying to bring back Sex in the City with the same group of people. Mm. And like what has when you go back and watch that show? That's a, a really another great one. That yeah. I'd be like, oh, that's pretty woke. Right. Like it's for rich white women. Yeah. And there's so many. Yeah. I mean, we could have and, a whole and, entire episode about. All oh the my god! That are yeah, wrong with that you show. ask that question again, and I'll yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing is, like, if you came back with the same creators of this, like every, like the whole team comes back together ten years after it went off the air, what have they learned? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Like, right? Because when when the shows went off the air, when Will and Grace went off the air. They, this was before we had lots of think pieces about right. stuff happening anything. and, and <laughs> anything. Yeah. So, you know, they weren't being called down at it then. Mm-hmm. And will they respond to that now? Yeah. And yeah. I wonder if those platforms were around then if they would have evolved, you know? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Cross fingers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the past. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again, Dylan. Please. Thanks for having me. It was a true pleasure. Brown Girls made its debut online earlier this year, and as I've already mentioned, I'm a big fan. The series is set in Chicago and features a cast made up entirely of people of color. Nabila Hussein plays Layla, a queer South Asian American writer, while Sonia Dennis plays Patricia, a Black American musician. And the two friends struggle with many of the familiar millennial trappings, you know, relationships, family, careers. What makes this show stand out, aside from its inclusiveness, is its smart sense of humor and just how realistic the character interactions feel. Back in early March, writer Fatima Asghar, director Sam Bailey, and I talked about the origins of Brown Girls, how they feel about comparisons to HBO's Girls, and the creative processes on set. Check it out. So, ladies, it's a pleasure to have you both here in our Brooklyn studios. Welcome, Sam and Fatima. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. We're super excited. Yeah. Like I was just telling you a, a moment ago, I love the show. Mm-hmm. I actually spent 
I was going to like check it out. I was like, oh, I'll watch like one or two, you know, episodes. And then I wound up watching the whole thing <laughs> right <Good>. in a row. <laughs> Good, uh, so, yes, I am a huge fan and I'm excited to talk to you. So my first question would be, what is the origin of Brown Girl? Yeah, so Brown Girls, I started writing Brown Girls in um uh, fall of 2015. And it's loosely based off of my friendship with my best friend, Jamila Woods, who then also serves as the music consultant for the show. Jamila. Yeah. She's... I don't know her, but oh, she's <laughs> I love her. <laughs> she's great. She's yeah. lovely. Yeah. Um, but basically, it, you know, I think so we have a at this point, I think 10 year friendship. Um, and our friendship is just really, really important to me. And I think is like one of the major things that has kind of been it's just been really fundamental in who I am and and in terms of like thinking about myself and understanding myself in the world. And um, I feel like I rarely get to see uh, women of color uh, friendships on TV and I rarely get to see them between women of color of different racial backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also like even, even t- times that I do see friendships, sometimes they're not like – they can feel like selfish friendships or they don't feel like all the all the time like these like really like the friendships that I feel like I know or is like really how how my community operates. So I wanted to create a show that was about these two women um, navigating, you know, their like mid 20s and thinking about um, like financial independence and thinking about what it means to be an artist mm-hmm. and what it means to have like the, their relationship with their families and, and, and stuff like that as they're trying to create. Um, and then also to think about this kind of like larger community um, in Chicago and this, the community of, of creatives of color and of um, queer people of color um, and just wanting to kind of showcase that. So that that's kind of really where Brown Girls started. Mm. And Sam, how did you get involved? Because you directed the, yeah. the series. So how did this collaboration get yeah. started? Well, I've known Fatih for, for a minute now. Um, we both met like as writers and like a lot in the live lit scene. Um, obviously, she, her medium is more like poetry, but I was doing a lot of uh, nonfiction storytelling. Um, and I had done another web series called You're So Talented. And while mm-hmm. we were filming the second season, Fatih reached out to me saying she had an idea for a web series. Can she like shadow on set? So I was like, of course. Um, and then a couple months later, she was like, hey, I wrote this series and we're going to do like a reading of it. I would love for you to be there. I was like, great, because I love her work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I we went there and like the first, within the first page, I was sitting next to Amar from Open TV and I wrote like in the margins, I was like, I have to direct this <laughs> now. <laughs> um, and so after it was done, I kind of like beelined over to her and I was like, look, I think this is like ready to go into pre-production now. And I'd be like really like, I'd be very honored if you let me um, direct and produce this. And, and she did. Um, and so we kind of hit the ground running from there. And that was like February of 2016. Yeah. And secretly, I had hope, you know, been hoping that Sam would jump on in some capacity. Um, mm-hmm. So I was really, really excited that she wanted to do it. And I think, yeah, like our collaboration has felt really great and felt just like we're on the same vision yeah. a lot and the same kind of page in terms of what we hope for the show and what we like hope for the aesthetic of what, what was happening. And so it just felt like really great to be working together. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you pitched the show? And, you know, you're on Open TV, which is a great platform for that is specifically meant to amplify voices of people of color, women, trans, LGBT. Mm-hmm. Um, so how was that like central to getting Brown Girls made? Like how important was that? I don't think we didn't even need to pitch it, right? Yeah. I think Amar and I already had a working um, relationship because that's where You're So Talented premiered mm. was on Open TV, and I think like 
him and I are, are, I feel like we have very similar ideas of like the content that we want to put on. And so like we were writing notes to each other back and forth throughout the reading of it. So like I think just him, when Fatih invited him to the reading was in and of itself a pitch. Like him just hearing it out loud yeah. was a pitch. And, um, and for our listeners, who who is he in relation to Open TV? Amar is the is the creative director. He's the founder of Open TV. Right. Um, and he's been really just like kind of amazing in terms of navigating the web series world. Mm. He saw the trailer of so talented, like the first trailer of You're So Talented and reached out to me um, and was like, hey, I'm starting this new thing. I think, you know, You're So Talented could be there. And he really helped us out with like post-production funds in that sense. And that was like the first, first filmmaking thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. So the show centers around two brown girls, mm-hmm. uh, Patricia and uh, Layla. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Patricia and Layla. I, I'm really terrible with character names. That's totally <laughs> legit. <laughs> um, and one of the things I found fascinating about the, the show uh, as a whole is that, you know, whenever a person of color is writing, doing something creative, you always have that pressure to like, it has to be something about being a person of color mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or it has to be about like your sexuality <clears throat> if you're queer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and this show, like, first of all, I don't think there's a single major white character in the show. No, there's no white people there's in no, front of the screen <laughs> no. whatsoever. At any, at any point. I know. And, and <laughs> I kind of, I kind of, I was like, wow, this is great. Because like, usually, even if it's not, even if it's not a show that is explicitly about that, if you think of something like Insecure, um, you know, it's still very much about the relationship between those two black female friends. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she... Issa Rae's character still has to go to work and interact with white people. Um, and this show doesn't really deal with the proximities of whiteness at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah. can you talk a bit about that? And like, yeah. how does that reflect your personal world? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for so for me, I wrote that into the script and I like made it a point to write it in. And I think it was just I'm really interested in like the relationship between different communities of color and different people of color. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that so often when you introduce like whiteness into a story, it becomes about the relationship between like whiteness and whatever the otherness is right Mm -hmm. and and i don't um i don't like i'm that's i think that's that's there's a lot there and that's really smart and i'm really interested in that and then for this project i was like i i want this to be a thing that is about people of color that centers women of color that centers queer folks of color um and like like you said isn't necessarily always about their race or about their sexuality but where it's it's just like the norm and it's the backdrop mm-hmm. um and so i wrote that in like i wrote that none of the major characters were um to be played by anybody who was white and then sam when we had our first meeting was like let's take that further let's have no no extras that are white let's have everybody who's in front of the camera be a person of color and i was like great <laughs> like that sounds <laughs> awesome you know and we had um i think it was really interesting because you know, people have been like, oh, is that what it, like, how does that play out or whatever? And really it was like so many, like so many of our white friends were so excited about that element of the the show, you know? And I think like, I think sometimes what we see on TV is like, it's not only a disservice to people of color and communities of color. It's like a disservice to like also white people who are like, where are all my friends? Like, right, where are all these people? Um, And so I think it was just kind of an interesting experiment in that in that sense yeah and I, I forgot that we did that actually I mean other like I knew the main but I forgot that like the entire world even the music is all women of color yeah um and I think like that was an initial thought that like 
probably we probably made that decision around like March or something like that, mm-hmm. and then it just became the norm, right? It just became yeah. the default. So I I forgot about it until people started bringing it up <laughs> once the trailer and the series came out, and I was like, oh yeah, that was deliberate. But it was because I think we really wanted to explore like what happens when the default is not the white lens, it's not the yeah. white gaze. What happens when the default is just like all brown people, and we don't comment on it. It's just the yeah. world that we live in, um, and it is so much to the world that we live in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like in a lot of other series, when people of color are are in it, then you have to talk about it. Like, oh, this is like an in, this is a this is a teachable moment, right? <laughs> and I, I, we didn't want that. We wanted the, these characters' spaces uh, like, to give them space to be um, like flawed and be and be nuanced and have and like have highs and have lows and all that stuff that I think white characters get to explore in their like various story storylines. But brown people just are just like. Um, I feel like they're just tools to get a white person somewhere else, you know. Yeah. Um, and then for but for brown girls, like that, it was them. It was only them. And anytime um, we were going to explore part of their their storyline, it was just able to come come from their lens and 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 their experiences. And that to me was like really refreshing and exciting to work on. Yeah. So a lot of uh, white filmmakers and people within the industry. <clears throat> uh, they, they like to say oh, that parched. it's. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I had to pause for a moment there. Um, they like to say that it's really hard to find people of color, qualified people of color. How oh, hard God. was it for you to find? <laughs> my cup runneth over. Right? <laughs> like I was like, there. Was, we got to a point where we're like, I love you, but we don't have enough roles to like put these people on, and that's in front of the camera and behind the camera, uh-huh. right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of our. Our crew was were women and or women of color and or queer people of color or like just all of these people that I feel like rarely get to be put on and or at least get to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we had more people than we had roles to fill, mm-hmm. really. And I think it just came from like asking people, like literally just asking people. And everyone on that set was qualified to be on that set, whether yep. they were behind the camera or in front of the camera. Um, some of them were like more than qualified and mm-hmm. a lot of them got paid less than their daily rate that they're used to do, you know, to, yeah. to doing. But they did it because I think there's the story. They saw themselves in it. And so often, I, like what I kept hearing from the crew was like, oh, man, like usually I'm the only one of me on set. Mm-hmm. So to be able to come to set and see a bunch of people that, you know, shared similar experiences and there's like so many like different intersections of experiences there. Everyone's just like that much more invested in it because of that. Like all of that just came from being open to utilizing our community. Yeah. And if you're not open to that, then, of course, it's going to be hard to find people. And it's, I think it's really, really, yeah. really easy to get a crew of just a bunch of white guys on set and just be like, oh, well, this is all we could find. It's like, well, yeah, because they all went to film school together and they're all like, right. you know, I was going to say something I, bad. No, but I think that's, that's, that's <laughs> hey, totally yeah. honest. Like, because it's yeah. this thing about like, you can't have like a diverse room if you don't have diverse friends. Like, you yeah. know, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, you can't have like, a, you can't have like a, a it, I don't know anything that has that if you don't have people who are of marginalized backgrounds in um, not just like working on it, but like in roles where they have creative control over things, Mm -hmm. right? Or where you're creating an environment in which people feel like they have creative control over whatever they do. And I think that, you know, like Sam said, we just had so many people who were interested and we had people who were absolute masters at at the thing that they did. And, And like we're able, you know, we had a very small, tight budget and we were able to make a really quality product and I think that really speaks to the crew who worked on it right and it speaks mm-hmm. to their level of kind of like expertise and what they did um, so yeah I think that's like the worst excuse that and I hear it all the time and it's just yeah. a terrible excuse and mostly it's because like you said like it's like 
you know, so much of filmmaking is just bringing your friends on. Like, who's going to, oh, can I get my friend who's going to do, like, do sound or whatever? And right. because a lot of these guys, you know, because, like, I feel like white, like white people bring up their people all the time, whether or not they're qualified, which then allows them to become qualified, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like, it's so important that we do the same. And, like, that's, like, who I'm trying to, like, fuck with is that I'm trying to bring up, like, the same people um, that, like, look like me or look like, you know, are coming from marginalized communities because that's the only way we're going to keep, like, keep making work. Well, what do you know? It's that easy. <laughs> um, I mean, you you talked talk a little bit about that. You mentioned film school, like they all went to film school together. I mean, neither of you went to film school, right? So yeah. how, I mean, I, there are so many, I imagine there are so many people of color who like feel as though the doors are not open for them if they didn't like, that's like the only way to get through. Yeah. Um, I mean, how has that affected like, the way you perceive your own work like have you felt as though like have you had to overcome the fear that like you're not good enough to be working behind the camera yeah totally yeah i think like filmmaking is super daunting i think there's just in the idea of like equipment and and technical aspects if you don't have that um background it's, it's a very scary medium to go into um and i didn't have not only did i not have anyone did i did i not go to film school but i also didn't have anyone to like look look to and be like oh this this is a like a woman of color who's directing this is a woman of color who's producing her own work it wasn't until like web series came out that you saw that platform being utilized by people of color right. specifically awkward black girls specifically Aki and saltfish like all mm-hmm. that stuff was coming up at the same time and i was like oh wow i can create something and put it out there like straight to the to, to the audience um and i was telling like fati like no, there's nothing different from web series there's nothing different in the process of creating web series or in in a short film except that we get to there's like no Mm middleman you know we still like the still we still attack that as a film like it's like a film we shoot it like a film we shoot it all together like that um and i think just being able to see other the like other women and women of color making and producing their own work that way totally um demystified the process right mm-hmm. and i always like credit this um guy who was the cinematographer in both seasons of you're so talented his name is mateo gonzalez and he was like really great and teaching me the technical aspects and telling me that like as long as the person the collaborator you're with that you trust knows that stuff mm-hmm. it's like it's just your vision that's all art you're an artist you can figure that, that stuff out as you go just make sure your collaborators are people that you trust mm-hmm. you don't need to know everything right but you didn't you yeah. need to be able to employ people that kind of know the stuff that you are a little bit like faltering on you know right Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about two scenes from the show that mm-hmm. really stuck out to me. The first is the scene, I think it's in episode two or three, um, when Layla is having having dinner with her sister. Mm-hmm. I have something to tell you. Okay. Layla? Come on, you're worrying me. Mm. Are you pregnant? What? God, good God, no. Okay, <laughs> well, just... Just tell me and we'll figure it out, okay? Okay. Um. I've been sleeping with women. I'm queer. And? And? What made you want to include that sort of coming out um, scene? Because we've seen it before, mm-hmm. although I can't recall ever seeing it with a like a South Asian woman mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. on screen. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was 
it was wanting that because she was South Asian, because she's Muslim, you know, and being like thinking about the ways in that. I think a lot of times those communities are talked about as like really conservative and just like, oh, like even though kind of national rhetoric about like Muslim people is like, you know, well, we have to save them from their backward selves. And it's like, OK, <laughs> like, all right, whatever. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> like, a, like, so I think that there is this kind of there, there was that element of it. And it was also this homage of really wanting to create a show that was based in love and like wanting to show these relationships that um had a lot of love to them even when they were mean to each other or even when like they're they're like messing up and like struggling um yeah her roti was not doing too well (laughs) (laughs) our set designer trying to make that was very funny i researched this all night (laughs) um but yeah thinking about yeah just thinking about the way that um that I wanted to kind of build that love in, right? And 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 I I like so often because I think what's cool about art is you get to invent the things you want, right? Mm-hmm. And so like you you it's like I want that answer to always be and right? Like anybody yeah. who's like I want this, I want that answer to always be and and I, and I want that to be the narrative of of like that, and so I can make that right? Like I can make that the narrative mm-hmm. of this, and like you know just I, and I think that that is a really cool power to be like oh this is the way that this is really this is like normally talked about and now this is going to be the way that we talk about it here um you know and like that's not to you know her sister says like and and then they have to deal with also the fact that like there's this conservative aunt you know and like what's going to happen there you know and so it's not all like dandy and roses and fine but like it is like her sister's like i'm here and like we are here for each other um and so i think that that was just really important to me yeah and i think also like people what was so cool about that scene is like i think um, people would see Musarat as like the perfect um, like Pakistani daughter. Like she was like she was married to a Muslim man. She was all like all that stuff was like, um, you know. We, so we were expecting her to have a different response than what she did. So to see someone that maybe does have like more conservative views still ride for her sister is, I think, really it's just more nuanced. And that and you don't see that like literally the only other scene I could think of um, where show people of like color. And like, a, and talking about queerness in a way that was like positive, like that was in Moonlight yeah. when the boy asked like what that is, and he's like, "Is is this?" And it's like very, and you don't know what that moment's gonna be, and then I you know. don't expect that man to have that response, and he does, and I've never seen it happen again like that except for Brown Girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- one line that stuck out to me is when um, she, her sister, says, "You know, all that hiding is gonna kill you," mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Oof!" Mm-hmm. Like. It, she she said she says it in a way that like you know when you say like this is killing me in, in a in a figurative way mm-hmm. but like in real life like it does it it does kill people it does mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so I just thought that was a very it hit me yeah, th- yeah. well I mean I think that I, th- I think that it's true and I think about like you said like it does kill people it does mm-hmm. and I, and it and like what. What would it look like if we were actually allowed to be our free, full selves all the time? Like, I, that's hard. That's like, it's even hard to like allow yourself to be your free, free, full self when you're by yourself, right? Um, And I think like, I want a world where we can be that. And I want to create art that brings us closer to that world. Yeah. Yeah. On set that day, after we did like the first take of that scene, um, like I called cut and everyone, there was like, I think you were on set that day. It was just like, there was like a quiet on set and, I think specifically for like Hannah Welliver, who was our DP and she's a queer woman and the set designer, she's a queer woman. And like a lot of people that they were like, oh, wow, like that's either a moment that I've had or a moment that I really wished I had. Mm-hmm. And that was like it was a very I think we did that scene like we just did two takes of that. Yeah. And it was like it was golden. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah. 
The second scene I wanted to sort of parse through is the one with Patricia and her mother. Mm -hmm. Because that's like a different form of like the love that you're trying to portray. Things aren't going well. What? We haven't spoken since we went to Auntie Christie's house for Jaden's baby shower. Remember that fight we got into? Yeah, but that was months ago. I know. Why didn't you tell me? It's just not really a big deal. Anyways, I knew you were busy with singing, and I just didn't want to take up time. Mom, I always have time. I'm I'm sorry. I wish I had known. It's okay. You know, her mother is just very sort of -of matter-of-fact. Like, your father and I, you know, we're still together, but we don't really, like, feel any, like, the love isn't Mm -hmm. really there anymore. Um, Like, yeah, like, can you just talk a little bit about why you wanted to portray that sort of relationship and, like, how that affects Patricia? Yeah. Well, I think that there's there's so much, there's so many times that we don't think about adults as real people, right? Especially if you're making, like, art around or for people who are millennials or in our generation. And I think that there there's these moments in which I think, like, Patricia and her mother, Carla, are actually, like, going through very similar things, right? And they just don't know how to... Or Patricia can't see it because Patricia is, like, really, like, here, you know, and in her world yeah. and doesn't mm-hmm. really understand that, like, the, this other stuff is happening. Um, but, like, that kind of thing about just being um, – wanting to show her mom as a full human being and also wanting to show the way – like you said, the way that it it, it affects Patricia because, you know, um, she's, like, navigating her world. But in her the back of her head, she's just always thinking about her parents and her family, right, and, like, what's happening. And I think that that's something that we all feel, right, when there's, like, even an – like a small amount of like change in family like that can feel really rocky sometimes mm-hmm. um and and so wanting to to get that um and then wanting to have this conversation between these two women about what it means to be alone right because i think um and it's really great that the music cuts to that song right after um because there, there's this conversation around like what the difference between being alone and being lonely, right? And the difference in, in, in the ways that I think when when we're alone, we're taught we're meant to feel lonely and that that's like our default. Like, oh, I'm alone, so I have to fill it. I have to fill that. I have to fill it. And it's like, no, what happens if we're just like, as Patricia's mom says, like able to just sit in the aloneness, right? Mm-hmm. And we're able to like be with ourselves. Like what then, what then happens? Um, yeah. So I just really wanted to kind of get that because I think, I don't think that women of color are allowed that. I don't think we're ever really allowed to just be alone mm. and not attached to someone. We're always the best friend or like the, this person's girlfriend or whatever. Um, and I wanted to create a space in which they could both be together and then realizing that like it is okay to be alone even when they're together. You know, and like Patricia's mom also said, she says like, she's like, you know, I've always had like your sisters or your your um your father or whatever. And like Patricia's implicated in that. Like yeah. because mm-hmm. of Patricia, like her mom isn't can't always fully like be selfish or like be yeah. herself. And and um and I think that's like a really hard conversation to have with your parents. Um, but an important one too. Yeah, I mean, especially when like you so many people, I think, especially if you're able to make it to adulthood and your parents were still together, you probably, like, idolize mm-hmm. or you, like, hope that you can have that in yeah. some way. And that seems to be something Patricia's, like, really struggling with. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, like, even if I do find someone, I could, could like, 20 years down the line. Yeah. It could just be gone. Yeah. 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 So, obviously, Brown Girls is, 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 is about millennials. It's set in an urban setting. And it's all about trying to navigate careers and and relationships and yourself and 
paying rent.、Mm-hmm. Um, so, how often do you get compared to girls? <laughs> and how do you tell people no? This is different. Because I imagine, like, I feel like every single show now or web series that is about millennials in an urban setting, it's like girls, but this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and like, how, like, how do you d- deal with that? Yes, I mean, Fatih's been really good at. She's just, I feel like she's just better at interviews than I am. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but she's they're doing great. She had a really good point in, in an earlier interview that we did where she talked about how, like, we one, she never, she's never seen girls, yeah. right? So、um, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, none of the writing is is at all influenced by that. But she talks about how like we're not like girls in Broad City. That's not our lineage. Like our lineage is like awkward black girl. It's Atlanta. It's insecure. It's like those Akin Salfers. Like those shows where、um, you're we're really getting to show nuanced characters of color、um, who are who are like at the forefront of their own storytelling. And I think like that's I, like that's what I want to navigate the the conversation to. Is not is not girls. It's nothing about girls that I think. Other than there being young women in it, which、right. if like we want to go through like every show that there's young women in, call it girls. Like that's your pr- your prerogative, but I don't think that's like what we are trying to do. <laughs> yeah. And so I think the the way that we're now one is that we say like this is our lineage, it's not that, but also just saying like not at all, like we're not at all influenced、yeah. by that. Like, and I think we should open.、Um, Open like the, the the conversation up to what、uh, what other things can inspire us. Like I didn't pull anything from girls when we were looking at like the visual treatment,、right. but I did for、um, like Newlyweeds from like Shaka King. Like I used、oh, that a lot as a like a、film. yeah a visual influence for the show and、um, like stuff like that. Like let's talk about that because I think that's actually what we're pulling from when we're looking at、right. looking at stuff. We're not looking at girls.、Um, yeah, and I think like to go off that, there's just more interesting like there's just more interesting lineages that we're talking about.、Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about. These shows that are that are deeply, deeply interesting to us, but we're also talking about like hybrid,、um, like different international shows and like a like a, a broader world scope. Like you know, like、mm-hmm. we、um, talked about, like Sam loves this web series called Polygots, which is really great, right? I think we're、um, and like a lot of this stuff came out around the same time as Brown Girls, so、mm-hmm. like they weren't influence influential in the writing or anything, but they are very much in the lineage. Like I'm、uh, thinking about this、uh, Indian web series called Ladies Room, which is、um, oh yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't checked it out. It's yet, really funny, and it's it's just like these two girls who are stuck in bathrooms all the time, and like they're, <laughs> they're, they are like kind of constantly in these like situations that they have to get out of.、Um, and、uh, like thinking about that, and thinking about even like one of Sam and I's early conversations was about like I really. Love Bollywood, right? And I, but I, what I love about Bollywood is its wide shots, and I love the colors in Bollywood, right? And thinking about how could we make sh- like a Chicago Bollywood, essentially, like how、mm-hmm. how do we frame Chicago that way?、Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that those are those are really rich, complicated ideas, right?、Yeah. But then when people say like girls, like it's like cool, like. Yeah, not all women are the same, and we're all like not all the same. And I know that it's called Brown Girl, so the name lin- the name link is like there and 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 stuff.、Um, uh, or it can be read as being there, but、um, but it did, they do that. I mean, they did that for You're So Talented. They、yeah. called it girls too, and I was like, it's about one black woman, but. <laughs> <laughs> But do you like? I, okay, okay, whatever. I, Whatever's your entry point, like, I'll, and I'll take、yeah. it as an entry、right. point if that's how you get into it,、mm-hmm. um, or that's why you come to it. Then cool, that's cool. But then I hopefully I think what you take out of it is that you know that that world is much wider than than、um, and the influences are much more、um, diverse than than anything I think girls. Yeah, I mean,、think. it definitely feels like. Girls is the friends of the the mid aughts, like uh-huh. Cause, uh-huh. because for a while it was like everything was like friends, but. 
set in an office or mm-hmm. friends, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and now it's now it's just girls. And, yeah. yeah, and I've never seen Friends either. So. I haven't seen that yeah. much of Friends. Yeah. I, I like remember when I was a kid watching parts of it, but not not really. Yeah, yeah. I was never really that into it either. Yeah. I don't know their names or anything. Like people are like, "What Friends character are you?" I was like, "I have no idea." <laughs> yeah. You've never taken the BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally Phoebe. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yes. So obviously you're not girls. You're your own show. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we said earlier, talked about earlier, the show is not, at least the first season is not about race. Like it's there. Your culture is there. You're, you are there. You exist. Like by the mere existence of you, it's there. But like this is not a show about race. Mm-hmm. Now that we are in, I hate to say it, but we are in a new age mm-hmm. um, where things are getting very scary and, you know, People of color, queerness, all those things are being challenged at the very highest levels of our government. Do you have, if you were to get a second season, I don't know if you have gotten one yet or if you're talking about it, but if you do, um, you're giving each other looks. So I don't know if that means like maybe you do and you just can't talk about it, which is fine. But if you were to get a second season, would you want to tackle more sort of what it's like to be who you are now in this age? I mean, I think so much just like just us making work and putting women of color that look like us on, like in the center of their own stories. Like to me, that's revolutionary it's in radical. and of itself. And it's radical in yeah. and of itself. Right. And I think it's it's it says a lot about the world that we live in, that that content is even being made right now. Right. Um, I don't. I mean, Fatih can answer that more in terms of like storytelling wise. But I do think like what's so beautiful about brown girls is that. They don't have to talk about it. Their existence, like, shows it, right? Yeah. Like, and so a lot of what we talk about is, like, what do, what do we show and not tell? What do we tell and not show? Like, all right. of that stuff. And I think, like, the brown girls existing and being able to have these conversations and being able to have them exist in these safe spaces and when those spaces become not safe or all that stuff, that, to me, carries a, a bigger weight um, a little more than maybe just, like, sitting there and talking about that yeah because i want to see them like i just want to see them in it more than i want to see them like have a conversation about i think that could be another show i don't know right yeah like i think that there's ways that we can embed that into the backdrop of things (laughs) like even even just thinking about um you know like thinking about the first season right now right like there is you know that there are things going on like you know when patricia is like um wearing the black lives matter pin right and then mm-hmm. or then you see like we were just talking about this like the postcard of fred hampton and in, in the bathroom with layla when she's like at this party drunk right and mm-hmm. you, there's there is like a lot of ways of like embedding po- like our politics yeah. and um into that right and mm-hmm. and to embed like this is the this is the climate or this is what's going on and this is this is uh this is what our characters believe, right? And this is how our characters survive and how our characters, like, thrive in, in this moment. Um, or don't thrive, but, like, love. And and I think that um, that's something I'm, I'm, like, really interested in um, is, like, is, like, figuring out the ways in which that kind of goes in. But also, like, I think, you know, it is it is a scary time, and it's been a scary time for, like, many yeah. communities of color and for since the, the dawn of America, right? Yeah. Since, like, before yeah. then. Yeah. We were always suffering. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, well, yeah, what, so, yeah. you know, yeah. and, I think, and I don't know what this is going to look like for the second season, but particularly for the first, um, I really wanted to make the show about the joys of being a person of color and not like a lot of different or a lot of Muslim representation I've seen. It's like very, especially growing up, like I never saw Muslim people, characters, anything that showed desire in the slightest. And to show like, you know, 
to be like, Layla has desires. Like, Layla yeah. likes to have sex. Like, that is okay. Yeah. And and just to kind of change that. Just to do it very, like, just to normalize it. And to yeah. be like, this is what happens, right? And, like, do you all think Muslim people don't have sex? Like, yeah. what, or, like what are we thinking, right? And, yeah. like, um, and I think that... Uh, yeah, like those things are really important to just kind of like have them be in the fabric of the show and it, because they're in the fabric of the characters' lives, right? Because mm-hmm. like these characters are human and this is what, this is just feels natural to what they do. Yeah. Well, that leads into my last question, which I ask all of my guests, which is when is the last time you saw some, something on TV or in film that you weren't a part of? Where you felt represented, where you feel like you saw yourself in some way. Mm-hmm. Fatih, why don't you go first and then Sam? I mean, I think right now I'm kind of on a like a high of the Oscars and thinking about like Moonlight <laughs> and, and like just the way, like I, just thinking about like Mahershala Ali and like being the first Muslim actor to to like win an Oscar, right? And just like I like cried. I was like so overwhelmed. And then and then when Terrell Alvin McCraney made his speech and was mm-hmm. like, you know, this is for like the black and the brown like queer folks and gender queer folks. And like if you don't see yourself on the mirror, like we are here for you and we are fighting for you. And and like um like that I think was just like very, very moving to to see um to see that on on that kind of level um i think i like you know why i like love ladies room is because i'm like oh my god they're like messy and they're (laughs) you know they're like constantly like having to like fish things out of a toilet and this feels very (laughs) real to my life um yeah so thinking about about some of that stuff i think cool what about you, Sam? I think I like recently rewatched um, all of Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I mean the entire series. I felt like, even though I'm not from Atlanta, my sister lives here now. But like, it just a lot of depictions of Black people that I know. Specifically, the last episode though, when um, Donald goes back to his his like baby mama's house, and Erica Badu is playing in the background, <laughs> and they're just like, and I'm like, oh my god! I remember like grabbing my friend's like leg, and I was like, this is like this is, like, so us, <laughs> you know? Like, just like, the music playing, just the, the the complicated relationship, the black people, like, all of that. Like, I know these people so well. And it, like, it, it also, like, I think, like, moved me to tears. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, even, like, all of it is just so real and so tangible. Uh, and I was like, man, if this, if this is where TV is going, like, this is really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so specifically that moment, though, I, I love that entire series, yeah. Awesome. Good choices. <laughs> and we'll definitely, I'm going to check out Ladies Room because yeah. that sounds really fun. Yeah. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining. Thank me you for today. having yeah, us. For having this is us. great. Was great. Yeah. 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 It was very exciting. I can't wait to see what you do next. And yeah, thanks. Thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah. Thank you. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you, Dylan, for your valid critique of Will and Grace. And Fatima and Sam, it was a pleasure to chat with you. Listeners, you should definitely go check out Brown Girls and let us know what you think about it on our Facebook page, Slate Represent. And of course, you can subscribe to us and rate us on iTunes, as well as Megaphone, Stitcher, or any other place you find your podcast if you haven't already. Represent is produced by the lovely, awesome Marilyn Williams. The executive producer of Slate Podcast is Steve Lichtai. Andy Bowers is chief content officer of Panoply. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Slate Represent. That music you're hearing is performed by the sweet San Francisco funk soul band at 
Town Social, who just released their new self-titled album, which we'll link to on our show page. It's really good. Until next time.